Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Feet to the Fire. This is your host, Sergio Fassa, and it is Monday morning, the beginning of the week. You have come to your best source for conservative commentary, and we're continuing our conversation from last week. Um, That may continue unending, we're not sure, but the discussion of the conservative mind and how to really have a well-rounded, robust, conservative ideology that directs your thinking and your ability to analyze information and culture and and other philosophies that come your way. And I've been giving examples from the academy, actually, of people who are allegedly supposed to be conservative, and they're really not. And some of these examples are grand examples, uh, uh, missteps and incorrect statements as these writers are assessing culture, and it's actually not very conservative. Go back and check out the end of last week if you want some examples of that, and I have more, but now I'm going to give you a really trivial one. You know, I come across this frequently. Um, This is probably one of the worst examples. It's very trivial, but it it makes the point, listen now, are, are people really thinking as conservative? So, I have here a gigantic, thick book, uh, again, assigned at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and this is called The New Dictionary of Biblical Theology, Exploring the Unity and Diversity of Scripture, uh, with some editors here named, one of whom is D.A. Carson, uh, a great, great, what we'd call conservative theologian, modern contemporary theologian, and none of this has to do with... D.A. Carson, by the way. I'm just saying this is a, this is a text, a relatively conservative text uh, with some big names, is my point, as editor. So this isn't just a, a fluff book, okay? Now, when you're reading, I told you this is something seemingly very trivial. And, and when I came across this, I actually texted my buddies, and I'm like, is there, is there something wrong here, or uh, is this... Is it so trivial, and I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, or something wrong here? And obviously, uh, they all agreed uh, and came back with saying, yeah, there's something grossly wrong with that, um, as minute as it appears to be. But let me read to you. This is from page 36. Now, it's in the context of discussion of communication. Remember, when I told you last week, when I read you these excerpts, it's not so much the context that matters, which I know is not what you're supposed to say when you're analyzing things. I'm not worried about the context, the point that the author's making, because that's a lot of times in the academy what the distraction is. You know, the writer is writing something, and the reader is supposed to go, oh, wow, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a profound point. I, I never thought of it that way. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, never, I never saw it that way. That's, that's very uh, thoughtful. That's very helpful. That's very insightful. These are the words they like to use. And yet, The conservative mind is looking at it and saying, wait a second, I don't care how novel and interesting your your point in context is, your secondary line of reasoning or your presuppositions or the thought process behind what you're saying is is totally wrong or it's aberrant or it's politically correct or it's not conservative. So, So let me give you an example. The point in this text, um, uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm building this up way too much. I said it's very trivial. That, that's the point. It's very trivial what I'm about to show you. But um, the point is, 
receptivity of information or revelation. So the Bible is being is a mode of communication. We can't take it out of its um, if its form, the way that God delivered information. It's the written word. So there is a writer, a speaker, a communicator, and then there's the receptor. Uh, that's the audience, the one receiving the communication. And so there's aspects, natural aspects you can observe about communication. The communicator uh, uh, communicates with language, sometimes spoken, in this case written. The receiver is then reading it, uh, at times hearing communication, in this case reading written communication handed down. So that's the point. And so it says this on the bottom of page 36. The receiver is the person or a group of people who is the target of communication. Simple enough. As the speaker seeks to get a reaction from an audience, she or he makes assumptions about the listeners with regard to their age, social background, economic position, cultural situation, and intelligence. Basic receiver skills include hearing, comprehension, retention, and the willingness to give feedback. On and on it goes. Okay, good. Uh, well, what's wrong with that? What was in there? That just seemed like a basic sentence. Well, first of all, I wasn't even going to mention this, but as I'm reading it, it came to mind. Uh, there's, there's that uh, element of perspectivism already sneaking in. I told you about that last week, that no one can ascertain or apprehend information without a preconceived bias or prejudice because of their, their perspective, their context, quote-unquote. Uh, 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 these academics and, and modern thinkers love to talk about context. So you already heard the rumblings of that in... Uh, uh, the the uh, the speakers making assumptions about the listeners regarding the age, social background, economic position. There you go. There's class, classism, class warfare in there. That's a Marxist concept. Always fixating on economic position, class status, cultural situation. You know that's that's academic speech for are you white Western or non white Western intelligence. Okay, so that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it was worth mentioning because it's already in there. You see that seeping in perspectivism. But anyway. Let's get back. I read you this. I read you this excerpt, okay? And if you're like, why are you, why are you peeling it down to those tiny, very uh, detailed layers? Because I'm, tell I'm telling you, this is, you have to think with a conservative mind. I don't think people do. The conservative mind is analyzing everything and saying, what, what, what non-traditional, non-orthodox, non-biblical uh, idea is, 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 is coming in here, is, is seeping in? But anyway, Okay, so I read this excerpt, and you say, well, what was the big deal? It was just a sentence about receiver and speaker. Okay, let me read a middle sentence again, and uh, some of you more astute listeners may have caught it. Uh, so right in the middle it said, as the speaker seeks to get a reaction from an audience, she or he makes assumptions about the listeners with regard to their age, etc. What was wrong with that? As, let me, as the speaker seeks to get a reaction from an audience, she or he makes assumptions. Wait, what? She, she or he, hold on a second. Okay, those are pronouns. We would call those definite pronouns. Uh, uh, they were referring back to a subject uh, grammatically. So in this sentence, uh, who or what is the subject? The subject is the speaker. As the speaker or the writer, the biblical writer in the case of this example, seeks to get a reaction from an audience, she or he. So what do we have there? We have the editors or this writer, I don't know who, remember this is not the main point in context, this is a secondary underlying argument, um, the writer is, or the editors, are uh, making reference to the subject of the sentence, and in normal grammar, when you are uh, what we could call a, 
a pronoun of, uh, this is kind of a generic reference, okay? I'm not using technical grammatical terms. I'm just describing it for you. Generic reference. So you say, uh, as the speaker is writing something, comma, he assumes that, or he makes assumptions. When you have a generic reference like that, you're talking about a, a doctor or a lawyer, generally speaking, it's a masculine definite pronoun. In other words, he, he, right? Um, now, at times, uh, because of, uh, uh, because of uh, culture and the development of language, at times you'll use she when you're referring to something like uh, the church. The church is the bride of Christ, so we might call the church she. Sometimes when you're talking about a nation, America, uh, what a great nation. Uh, she is a light in the world. Okay, you might use it in those senses. Sometimes some subjects have a feminine quality, and, but generally speaking, in grammar, especially when you're talking about an individual, a generic reference like a speaker or a doctor or a lawyer or a somebody, you're going to use he. Well, in this conservative text, they follow that normal politically correct pattern of now we can't just say he, we have to say he slash she, right? He, she. So this would normally say, as the speaker seeks to get a reaction from an audience, he, she makes assumptions about the listeners. That would normally be what it is. Well, that is political correctness because you can't say he. You can't have a masculine pronoun, uh, that, a masculine definite pronoun. Now, to be offensive, what if the speaker's a woman? What if the speaker's a woman? That's the nanny state, okay? I'm not trying to be silly. I'm saying that's the nanny state in the background. The nanny politically correct movement, wagging their finger. Hey, you, it might be a woman. You've offended the women. Okay, so we'll, now we'll say he, she. Well, now, now we can't do he, she anymore because that's not fair. Uh, you have to do she or he. Why should the man be first? Why should it say he slash she? The man shouldn't be first, the masculine pronoun. Uh, it should be, so now we've, we're doing both and we have to put the she first, so the feminine pronouns first. As the speaker seeks to get a reaction from an audience, she or he makes assumptions about the listeners. Now, <clears throat> This is what I'm talking about. Now, you might be listening, being like, okay, feet to the fire host, Serge Fawcett, you've lost it. You down to the pronouns. No, no, listen to me. Listen. I'm not angry. I'm not losing, losing my chili, okay? Uh, oh, uh, whatever the expression is. I'm not, I'm not freaking out. But my point is, this is an infection in the West, even in the highest levels of the academy, in the most conservative institutions, among the most conservative writers with the most conservative editors and conservative theologians, where we are now susceptible to progressivism and liberal thinking. Let me be clear. The masculine sex, man, in function and role, is the leading or dominant sex. Man was made first, he is commissioned to lead as an image bearer of God. Woman was made as the helpmate to come alongside man and is called to submit. What I mean by dominant is not better. I mean physically stronger and the leader. She is feminine. Woman is the one cared for and protected. Okay, even in 1 Peter, Peter writes that uh, woman as the weaker vessel, man should deal with her gently and in love because she is a co-heir in Christ. So I'm not talking about value, okay? 
They are equal in value and worth before God. Of course, an equal as image bearers, but have a different function and role. Equal in essence, difference in function and role. Same value, difference in function. So when grammar follows nature, Paul says this in the New Testament, does not even the very nature of things tell you? And he continues on, I believe that's in 1 Corinthians. In other words, doesn't God's creator tell you something? And so English grammar, and most grammar, I assume, has followed the natural course of created order. And when you have a generic reference to a subject, you use the masculine pronoun he. And that's always how it's been. But now we have to change it to he slash she. And now we have to change it and put the she first because women will get offended. So let's say she or he. By the way, something like that makes my wife so upset because it reduces her femininity to something this trivial that if her pronoun isn't present as a feminine pronoun and if it doesn't come first she's going to lose it and get upset because women get women are so sensitive and prideful that they'll get triggered by a male pronoun which obviously I'm being rhetorical and sarcastic that's not the case but that's how my wife reads it it's insulting and offensive to women that they'll be triggered if they don't get their own identification marker and pronoun in the grammar they get upset it's stupid. It's ridiculous. But this is what this is what men are doing. And they've reduced themselves to this to agree to this in conservative writing. So in the middle of a commentary on speaker receptor and the communication of biblical revelation, we have to be forced to read she or he and so doing tacitly, quietly, underneath the service, underlying the writing is a a forced agreement with feminist philosophy. As a conservative, you are being forced to say while you're reading something over here, distracting with the left hand, down here with the right hand on the other side while you're not looking they're injecting feminist progressivist poison into the grammar and you are just supposed to shut up and take it and read it and accept it without questioning it because oh the higher and finer point is here and by the way don't look at the right hand over here we're just making sure that we maintain equality in our grammar while we're communicating with you okay so just accept that and shut up and pay attention to our main point and guess what your feet to the fire host i'm not doing that because I've got a conservative mind, and I don't care how lofty your point is over here, I'm going to analyze down to the minutiae. And when I see you trying to secretly uh, bring in destructive heresies, right, like the scriptures say in the New Testament, just by distorting the grammar, I'm going to call that out. And I'm going to point it out to my listeners and so on. All you people out there, when you're reading modern texts now, even in the academy, even in college, look, I spent a whole episode, was it worth it? I think so, on grammar and a definite pronoun, masculine versus feminine. When you're reading modern literature and writing, find the destructive philosophy underneath that's not even noticeable, that's being secretly slipped in, and reject it soundly. And here's the problem why I'm bringing this up. I think a lot of so-called conservatives out there and colleagues, if they heard this explanation from me, they'd be like, you're crazy, who cares? And you know what? It's fine. Throw a bone to women by giving them a pronoun once in a while. I think that's what a lot of people would say. And that's what I'm saying. You're not thinking with a conservative mind. We don't budge. I'm not giving anybody pronouns as a way of appeasing their liberal philosophy. I'm not even giving you a pronoun. See, that's the argument a lot of times with conservatives like me is, look, you can't be so dogmatic. You can't dig your heels in. Just be a little bit flexible. And I take a cue from Rush Limbaugh that says, I will never, I will never give 1% 
half a percent of of agreement with climate change ideology. I will never budge. I will I will stand a hundred percent against hashtag Me Too BLM. I will never give any not one ounce of credence to these things. I will never say, well, there's some point of agreement. You make a slight point. That's right. Never. And I will never agree with progressivism. Even the point down to the pronouns. I will not budge and give them that. Leverage. I will never give. See what I'm saying? That's the conservative mind is unyielding dogmatism on what we know is right. And that is an alpha male masculine tendency. And it makes the liberals crazy. Let justice roll down like waters, American righteousness, like an ever flowing stream. Don't believe the hype out there. We don't have to accept their ideology, even their pronouns in being forced down our throat. And you know what's funny? Now now that they got that generically in, in academic writing, the she-he thing, well, they never stopped there, right? Now they moved to the next level of pronoun argumentation. Now you have to use it, they, z, he, or whatever, because people have different gender. Now, you see, they never stop just at the one level. They ratchet up to the next level. And every time you compromise and agree with them, they go to the next version of their mutated, perverted pronouns. How about, how about this, conservatives? Just start saying no and reject it. See you tomorrow.